Cubism Stolnar, and we have a very special guest with us tonight on Genius. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Such All the epic. lights, the lights and everything. <laughs> no. so epic. How's it going, guys? Welcome. This is Genius Episode Six on AfterBuzz. We have a very special guest with us today. Uh, let's get into it. My name is Zach Silverman. Panel, go down the line. Oh, hey guys. I'm I'm just guest hosting today. What's up? My name is Candace Cruz. I'm Alex Rich. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> And hey, last? Uh, I'm Mina Wahab. Awesome. Guys, we have Alex on, Young Picasso. How amazing is this? Yay. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. We were so lucky to have you join and watch episode six with us. Yeah. What nice. an episode it was. Was it not? It was. You actually didn't see it, you said. Yeah, but I saw it with you guys. Obviously, it was amazing. <laughs> we loved it. It's such great reactions to everything. Yeah. So let's uh, <laughs> let's get into it. What, uh, what did everyone think of, uh, of the episode? Let's get into some reactions. It's all on you. <laughs> there have been like delayed reactions with me like throughout the course of this day. Today, it's, okay. it's, no. it's been a long day. We're yeah. all tired. We get it. Um, no, <laughs> so what were your thoughts? I loved it. I love every episode though. So I love how they go back and forth from young Picasso to old Picasso. Mm-hmm. Um, and how like they kind of show in this episode how success kind of changes you. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a good true. take on true it. Dad, yeah. yeah, seriously. Candace? Yeah, no, I loved it. I really love um, the character dynamics within the entire show. Um, and I really love, I think we commented about it a lot, but the, the different overlays of how they oh cut my God, everything it's together amazing. and flawlessly intertwine. Props to the life, editors so. on this show because they <sighs> intertwine the love and like the hate between whatever's going on from scene from young to old. And that's just like, yeah. it's amazing. I love it. Um, yeah, this episode was great. We had... A little bit less time jumps. Uh, we were kind of stuck between 1908 to 1911 for young Picasso. And then I think we were just in 1946 when we were with uh, older Picasso. Got a little yeah. bit more in-depth with uh, Antonio Banderas' love life with Fred and I. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's get right into uh, 1908. We start off and we have uh, Picasso. Man, he's struggling with the cubism. He's struggling with his painting. Trudette. Nobody uh, nobody likes it. This is actually the one period of Picasso I really love because there have been a lot of paintings I've seen by Picasso that are considered works of art where <laughs> I just don't get it. But with his Cubist period, the whole Cubism period, I think it's so great because it shows so much dimension within the painting, like a lot of contrast between light and dark and I I just love it. Well, I think this is what, like, really... Sorry, you were going to no, say no, something. No, 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 go ahead. I think this is, like, the period that really set him forth to become who he is as an artist. Mm-hmm. And we kind of see that in this in the sense of where he's going from the shambles of that little uh, rickety Bunch home. Yeah, with the, he was living with... Uh, uh, man, I always mess up these names. With Ferdinand. 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 Yeah. Uh, to... He's gotten this lavish, nice home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think what's really lovely about Cubism is... I think that's his departure into genius because it takes a real perspective switch to see the world as he does to paint Cubist paintings. And him, he and Brock like developed this style together and it, it was revolutionary because in history, they paint what's real. Yeah. Like they try to Rick. recreate life, but photography... Right, and we've had that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that up. we had a great quote by him. He's like, why paint something that... Uh, you know, we get in photos now. Like, yeah. we got to bend the art, bend the rules. Which we kind of got, um, we got that prior in the last episode. And now this episode, he's taking it to a whole new level with uh, line, sight, 
there's perspective. Other perspective, a bunch of other rules where he's like, we have to break them all, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And there's that nice little scene where they're sitting in the cafe together. Yeah. And, did and you see amazing him. work with. <laughs> I, I really love the with way. Brock. Yeah, with Brock. I love the um, the way the cinematographers and everything put it together to see what kind of initially what you would be seeing obviously yeah like you see it through your eyes and it's, it's kind of like, like inception i mean they like move it all yeah, forward and it's yeah. Amazing. twists and it's it's nice it's yeah it's great um so we get the introduction of cubism with brock um mm-hmm. and you did a little dirty dirty yeah you were bit. almost you're almost like you know what i like what you're doing here but um let's have let's have uh you host your artwork first before mine well <laughs> like <laughs> here's uh, if thing. this doesn't work out it's not on me, but if it does, I recommended it. Yeah, well, <laughs> not, <laughs> not you. Yes, but but like Brock and I were were cohorts. We were creating a new style together, and Matisse and I were rivals. So what was nice is that Brock really developed Cubism with me. So when we were trying to get into the Autumn Salon, and Matisse was a judge, I could you go could, through Brock to yeah. to get the work scene. In theory, which obviously didn't pan yeah, out because yeah, he was, Matisse was like, he caught on real quick. Nope, you work with that dude. Don't Brock like that dude. Was Matisse's um, protege. Yeah. Well, or not protege. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brock, Brock was Matisse's protege. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is interesting how you and him start to pair up and come together. Yeah. Because originally I think that Brock was presented as a threat because he was kind of like the scout to see what I was doing to report back to Matisse. And mm. then we became friends mm. and we developed Cubism together. And then he went back to Matisse and that rivalry, which you also see with the Steins, yes. you know, like they, they oh. paired us together to try to like have us rival each other and push ourselves. Further. I'm so happy mm-hmm. that these people in, in our life exist to like be able to push Picasso and Matisse to do these things because without them, I mean, the work of arts would have never been made. You True, know? it's uh, yeah. It's, Sometimes it takes a patron. It, yes, it does. Yeah. Which yeah. we've seen a few. Um, the beginning of the episode starts off with uh, the one gentleman who kind of almost um, ridicules. Uh, and I'm, what is the name of the painting that we saw last episode? With, with, the, uh, the very first, Avignon? Yeah. like the one, the one with the. the with the masks, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. They Demoiselle d'Avignon. Yeah, and uh, we start off with um, the gentleman. I forgot his name, but he was almost ridiculing Picasso and Leo Stein. Yeah, no, not Leo Stein. No, no, no. Uh, it was the beginning of the episode. Uh, it was the younger gentleman. Which oh, who we saw later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who we saw later. Who then bought like a bunch. Conviler. Uh, yeah, Conviler. Yeah. The names are just so much to. Remember. Yeah, it's a lot of history. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of history, but I love it. It's so good. Um, where was I going with that thought? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I mean. Uh, the thing about Les Demoiselles d'Avignon is that people hated it for a decade. And then they started to realize that it was a really important work of art and it became one of Picasso's most famous paintings. Yeah. But for 10 years or more, he like hit it because he got so shamed by the people who saw it. Like the his closest and friends is like mm. is his lover Apollinaire. Everybody who like just saw him as this like God just like brought him back down to earth. Like no, yeah. you, you but lost isn't that him. the the works of like creating a masterpiece too as well? You have to have those people that do balance you, that do contradict and call out the flaws in yeah. order to make you better. Yeah, to keep working hard. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it was, really was like it was. I didn't realize it was ten years. Uh, that gentleman had said like I love it, but it's it's nobody's way gonna ever said it yet. until mm-hmm. yeah, which yeah. is so awesome to like. Go cut off your ear. You'll be fine. <laughs> Just yeah. go ahead. Go, go be Van Gogh. Try it out. Right. Yeah. See, see how it feels. All that type of all that talk was like really hurting him. You know, he, we saw so much of him smoking opium a lot more with mm. with it, with Ferdinand and 
um, his friends started to shun him. You know, yeah. what was your thoughts mm-hmm. on all that? Like, what what do you think? About which part specifically? Just, like, the opium use and, like, how, how he got like, downward spiraled almost because he had, like, the death of his friend in the prior episode. Uh, his artwork is being ridiculed where, like, he's like, I put my whole life into this and now nobody likes it. Like, am I doing the right thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he always struggles with... Uh, with doubt, especially, I mean, young Picasso specifically struggles a lot mm-hmm. with self-doubt and, you know, needing people to kind of validate his work. And when they don't, he acts like he doesn't care because they just can't see greatness or acknowledge it. And it's so interesting to see the difference between young Picasso and older Picasso, who really doesn't take anyone else's opinions into consideration. I feel like older Picasso almost has a better sense of self but you still, you see more of a developed ego with older Picasso. With He's more like a child, though, older Picasso. He is, but younger Picasso projects this personality where he doesn't care, but he secretly really, really cares what people think of his paintings, and that's where he gets that work ethic from, where he wants to be better, he wants to be the best. He doesn't want to be compared to anyone else or say that he drew any sort of inspiration from anyone. He wants to be the mastermind behind every creation, so I think it kind of speaks to his character and how, you know, he has that longing to be kind of worshipped as an idol. Yeah, or, so or, much. Well, yeah. we actually get um, we get a break in all this in a sense where he takes a step back in this episode. Young Picasso takes a step back and he uh, comes across a painting um, in one of those uh, shops and he, he, he finds as out he's the looking artist, for opium. as he's looking for opium. Uh, I, t- yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Rousseau's, Rousseau's painting. Yes. Yeah. Rousseau, and we, we discover the artist Rousseau, who is this like older gentleman who isn't quite all there in the head. <laughs> but he's like so loving and I'm like seeing him like, oh, it's like my grandfather. I just want to like sit down and listen to old stories of what you have to say. Yeah. Um, and it was so nice of Picasso to, I mean, he kind of did it selfishly to like throw him a party because... Um, well, I, I think what, what you yeah. said is brilliant. I think mm-hmm. that he was, he really was searching for acceptance and also uh, to, to, to have a platform for his work to be known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he met Rousseau, he's using his history and his, and his, and his life and his, and his art to do for Rousseau what he wants to be done for him, which mm-hmm. Fernand calls out. Yeah. She was like, she was like, are you talking about, she was like, you talking well, about you or are you talking about, right. I don't know if you guys caught him. it, but his painting was in the back. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the Steins was like, oh, his masterpiece. And it was like slightly covered and whatnot. I almost thought he was going to like show it at the party. I was like, mm. oh, nah. that was so dirty. Yeah. The but, thing about Picasso was he, he recognized how important the secrecy was and he wasn't going to show his work to Matisse or to the Steins because they would have convinced Matisse, for example, to, to, to do something, to like do that. something yeah, with it. Which is good. So he yeah. protected his, his, his intellectual property. But what oh, I was nice God. with Rousseau was that you've got an older artist who, like you said, is kind of losing his yeah. mind and creativity mm-hmm. and creating really interesting and, and brilliant work, but not traditional work. Not at mm-hmm. all. And we have Apollinaire being painted by him, yeah. and they're like laughing at him, scoffing at, at the work. Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to hang it above my... Uh, my chamber toilet, pot. my yeah. chamber pot. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone needs a good laugh while they take a piss. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. perfect quote. I love Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. And Picasso was like, for real? Yeah, he yeah. recognizes yeah. the beauty in what he's doing. And I think this is what is what makes Picasso so amazing because he could see beyond what mm. uh, traditional lines have taught. Yeah, I think what's also nice is that Picasso was looking at more than just representing the reality, and he was. Mm-hmm. This is an emotional experience. Yeah, Picasso or Rousseau was transforming what was in front of him with. Marie Laurence and, and and with Apollinaire, Apollinaire. Mm-hmm. and painting them as he saw them, 
not as they actually were. And he was like, it's a perfect likeness, right? I love that little scene between them. <laughs> and, and Picasso was just like living in it with him. He's like, yeah, he saw it. He yeah. was like, he was like, actually, yep. That like, like that's hilarious. I think I that was it. probably something that helped led Picasso to become who he is and, and you know, live in the, the world of like, I don't need to be confined to this box of how painting is right like more people are doing something stepping outside of it i understand your perspective and i'm going to continue with this exactly Mm. and and that's how he got into cubism where he was like i'm going to take this thing that brock showed me and i'm going to go with the distance and really transform what i see in front of me and paint cubes and like get rid of perspective which is the one thing that, that was amazing yeah mm-hmm. he's like the line of sight i think it was let's just get rid of it completely yeah the vanishing point the vanishing point that's what it was yeah. yeah he's like i'm just not gonna do that and that's a real transformation in in painting where when you get rid of the distance and you pull everything forward everything forward as if it was just right in front of your face transforms yeah the image and we had some cool paintings we got to see I actually have a question for you. On set, we get to see... Well, not on set, but in the show, we're seeing tons of beautiful artwork mm-hmm. from Picasso, Russo, um, uh, Matisse. Yep. Are any of those paintings real? Any of these donated? Can you speak to oh, that? Um, uh, so, I mean, we don't have, like, the real okay. paintings, but the paintings that you see are the actual... Yeah. I mean, they're, they're... Okay, they're just... Yeah, they they can't have like a like a twenty million dollar painting like on set. You never know. I mean, you could have had something donated. uh, Yeah, that's a great question. You know, yeah, we we can't do that because you know something could go wrong. I I could I could fall and like elbow a painting and and you were pretty close to the paintings a lot of times. You're actually scraping away and going on it. So yeah, so we're not gonna. I can see why they wouldn't actually give you. Yeah, don't question my idea. I was like, I was like, I wish they did, but that would be horrible. I would have been like, I can't act. Like, <laughs> too many important things around me, and I, I'm not gonna touch anything. But no, nah, the the what was nice is that in researching the role and, and in participating in this genius Picasso series, I got to learn a lot about the different paintings that come mm-hmm. about, and yeah. I got to see them and different periods and everything. Different periods. I, I was able to do research and figure out how things intersected with Picasso's life. It was it was. Brilliant, but no real paintings. <laughs> How long did that process actually take you? Because the, that's the a, that's a, yeah, the research. Because I mean, it's not a, a just creating a character from nothing. You're literally becoming a living, breathing person. And yeah. how much, like, where did you get a lot of your research from? All of that. Yeah, in a lot of ways, having a real person was easier because mm-hmm. we had videos. We had like, I learned a lot from these books that. John Richardson wrote, which mm-hmm. are based on Picasso's life, and they're textbooks. They're yeah. really huge I can books. Right. So if I ever had a scene that I didn't know that much about, I could find it very easily in those books. But what was most useful for me was Fernand's diary, because she... You did get something of that sorts. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's published. Like it's So there's Fernand's diary, and there's Francois Gillot's diary, right. or her memoir right. about mm-hmm. Picasso. For me, Fernand, who's played by Ashling Franchosi, is is lovely because I got to see it day by day, mm. like all the little nuance that mm. he did to charm her and, and, and the things that he did as a person that either upset her or affected her or charmed her. And that was incredibly informative because I got to see the person behind the history. Right. Mm. Richardson was a lot more of the history, but but that was more of like an emotional experience. So I found out a lot while we were shooting because I would the scripts are extraordinarily well researched yeah Mm. and I would look up 
whatever needed to happen that day if I didn't know about it in one of those two sources. And um, it kind of happened while we were shooting. <laughs> That's, That's even better, I, I feel always, like. I feel like, yeah, you just find the magic in the moment. Yeah. yeah it just kind of yeah. goes. It was a lot. Now, oh, yeah. um, there's no accent. I have before meeting you. I, I just kind of thought this guy's you know got the accent and everything. Well, that's He's nice. Did an amazing job at it. Sometimes Thank you. Accents are a little hard to pull off. And uh, was that a sit down with uh, Antonio Banderas at all, where you guys can kind of like align how you're going to be? Because obviously there's a transformation of young to old. Right. I kind of want it to be in line. Yeah. So that was that was lovely. It was lovely to have Antonio there because he's from Malaga, which is the same place that Picasso's from. That's right. Mm. We heard about that. Yeah. That's so cool. his accent is Pablo's accent. Okay. And we also had dialect Authentic. coaches. Yep. Yeah. In in uh, on set, so I was able to collaborate both with Antonio and the dialect coaches and hear sounds that I wouldn't have been able to hear on my own. Okay. To to like fix and and address and things that made me sound American. Versus, <laughs> yeah, from Malaga. That was one of my biggest concerns. I did not want to do a disservice to the Spanish accent and to the Spaniards that love and grew up with Picasso. Right. So, <laughs> really tried hard. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you did a great job. It paid off <laughs> for sure. Really paid off. Thanks. And you like embodied Antonio as well. Like I, I'll, I'll watch scenes, and especially when the cut scenes go from young to old, so much. It's so canny how like you just I would if I Nuances never if I, if I never knew. You two people as actors, I would I would think like if this wasn't a TV show, oh that was him when he was younger and this is him when he's older, and I'm just oh. like it's you did a great job. Uh, you're gonna make me blush. <laughs> watch, please watch. Go ahead. Yeah. Why you're on like show. it's on camera. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking down at the lens as my cheeks turn red. Um, yeah, no, Antonio was lovely to work with because we I was able because we were traveling together. I was able to visit him on set and and vice versa, and we could take pieces from both of our performances and, and try to build you know build from it yeah continuity and through lines that's amazing between young and old so there were things that he was doing which i loved and thought were brilliant (laughs) and tried desperately to like build into my own performance and i think i think vice versa you know yeah it, it was it was a collaborative effort and he's an open and incredibly collaborative person so i just got really really lucky to be able to work with him you know, he's so established in such a yeah, like a, big big power power, mm-hmm. and for him to be humble and and open enough to to collaborate was mind boggling. Nice, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, if you're definitely wanting to learn and grow and have some fun in your life, just like all of this, I feel like this show is like <laughs> so, so indicative yeah. of what Maria's <laughs> podcast really is. Um, for those of you who do, we have a podcast for you. Conversations with Maria Menounos podcast edition is hosted by our AfterBuzz TV founder and drops every Friday on iTunes. So Conversations with Maria Menounos features celebrity and influencer interviews, along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of your life. You can become your own genius hey, by listening hey, to the podcast. Look at that, <laughs> look at that nice right there. From health and wellness to career, relationships, finances, and more, let our Maria be the big sister you've always wanted. Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Conversations with Maria Menounos for free. We all like free. And be sure to rate and comment. And when you do, let her know that the genius 
after show since you're there. Conversations with Maria Menudos, podcast edition. Check it out. Awesome. Check it out. Lovely. Yes. Lovely. There you go. <laughs> Um, guys, there's so much more that happened in 1908 yeah. to 1911. I mean, we had this, uh, finally, you put down the pipe with the opium. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, we when got... When Beagles committed suicide. God, it was such a powerful scene, man. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you shared a little yeah. bit about that day on set. What was that like? Because that's like such was... a riveting scene. I was not seeing that, by the way. Like, you like bashing rough. him like that? I didn't realize that was going to happen. That yeah. took me off guard. And he, like, I feel like has death following him. Yeah, yeah, uh, he does, and and Picasso like <laughs> is Pic- totally scared of death. I, yeah, like he he it's his mortality. He just yeah, he wants to live forever in his paintings, and he knows death is coming for him. Yeah. Mm. So when Vigils commit suicide, and he feels like he's responsible for it. I mean, he's he's lost his sister. He's lost Casagemas yeah. and Vigils. It's like everybody. He just loses a lot of people, so. For me, as the actor, seeing Vigils like hanging, hanging. <laughs> in the studio was not comfortable. <laughs> did not. I was like, I, I did not love that. Yeah, uh, because he he did it so well that I was like. <laughs> Like, oh my God, please mm. somebody help him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, please, but it did the point. I mean, it it it, yeah. it led your character, it led Picasso to like change and finally like, put down the mm-hmm. pipe and see the like the jerk that he was and that was having an effect on him and his relationship and very true and his artwork even. I mean, he wasn't painting and finally he went and visited um, Brock. Yeah, and got mm-hmm. to see how much he's flourished and what he's been doing. Yeah, so. and I think that pissed him off. He was like. Please don't be better than I. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want anybody. To be so he's than like, him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this and level up. Yeah, yeah, level up. I like that. Like one up, like Mario. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. In the midst of all this, we get Pierre coming back into town. Yeah. Mm. Now I thought Pierre was gonna be a lover of Apollinaire. The way that was portrayed in the beginning of, of seeing him, it was very. A little risky, and then we got the to see that he has uh, some sticky fingers. Yeah, he's got some sticky fingers. Pure is like, um, he gets pa- Pablo into trouble. Yeah, and well, we have the Mona Lisa that's stolen in this episode. Yeah, first he goes and steals a statue. Which prior to that, we have two other statues stolen, and he sold to Pablo. Didn't even give it to him as a gift. He yeah, sold it to fifty dollar finder's fee. Yeah, like come on, <laughs> this is supposed to be your friend. Um, and. Uh, Picasso and Apollinaire get blamed for stealing, stealing the, the Mona Lisa. Yeah. I mean, and what's interesting is that all of this is based in history. So you oh, can, this is all yeah, you very factual. It yeah, it, it, it really did happen. But Pierre put the blame on Pablo and, and Apollinaire. And, um, he was so stupid in that moment. I was so upset with Apollinaire. He's a smart man. And to say, like, I'll go to the newspaper, too, and I'll just give it back. And nothing will be like See, my name like, will be in you know anonymous. You know, it's a high pressure situation. I mean, I I can't judge him. I think that I might have done the same thing. If you're like, look, he did this for Pierre. Like yeah. the the, the mm. newspaper was like, bruh, it's fine. Like <laughs> if you if you sacrifice these people, we're good. Right. Yeah. So so for Apollinaire, he was like, at Pablo's suggestion, he was like, oh yeah, like I'll go and I'll and I'll. So we talk him, get him. Yeah, yeah. I'll t- he's a poet. He's mm-hmm. got away with words. Got away with words. That's he's right. like, I'll take the fall. We'll be good. And Pablo was like, I live your best life. But <laughs> so that was very indicative of the 
second episode, or no, maybe the third episode, when um, the gentleman came to older Picasso and was just like, you need to sign this for Max. Oh, yeah. And it's it just goes to show how selfish Pablo has always been. At even a young age, he's like, I'm just, he, he even made a comment, you know, I've worked so hard to get here, and I'm not going to let anyone get in my way. Yeah, I think I think with that scene with, with Max and the Holocaust, Pablo wasn't, he was just pissed that Max didn't listen to him. Yeah. He was like, I don't think it was that he was trying to sacrifice Max or or cause no, Max any trouble. He was like, he should have he should have listened. He should have, but he was also looking out for his own butt. I mean, I I kind of argue with all of you guys right now. Yeah, because, by all means. I mean, from a game theory perspective, say say Picasso turns himself in as well. What good is that going to do? Then two people are in jail. True. What can he mm-hmm. really do in that mm-hmm. situation? Because the you know the basic prisoner's dilemma is okay. If I tell on you, then I'm safe. If I turn myself in, we both go share half the time in jail, whatever. Um, if I don't but say anything, do yeah. 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 So, so yeah. Of course, it's so easy to criticize, but what other alternative was there? Yeah. Also, like Pablo didn't know how it was going to play out, mm-hmm. so he was like he he thought he could distance himself from Apollinaire, and Apollinaire could go in and and be like, mm-hmm. it was me, or like he could just handle it and return the statues and, and Picasso would not have been involved. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out that way. And Apollinaire was beaten into submission. Mm-hmm. Like, so he, he admitted to things so that, things that didn't he happen. didn't, he didn't yeah. do. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Which maybe Pablo kind of had foresight to know what was going to happen because he had mentioned prior, he's like, we're Spaniards, or I'm a Spaniard, you're not uh, from Paris, like they're not going to approach things the same way as they would. Yeah. And I think maybe um, I mean my point to all this is that Pablo Picasso is kind of a coward. No, I I don't I don't agree. I, think I don't either. Okay, I don't, yeah, I'd love to hear. I mean, for me personally, it's it's his ambition. That's not cowardliness. That's just being a smart individual. Like it's survival of the okay. fittest in, in a to, sense. And to like, stay with and make sure his art will prevail, so that he can and he will. Of be course, he's looking at the greater that. picture. Yeah, yes, gra- but also at the same time, any any driven person is going to ultimately make sacrifices right. for the greater good of where they're trying to get to. So whatever sacrifice that, that may be. That is a sacrifice that he had to make right there. Yes. However, he hopes that the relationship, I think, would withstand all of that anyway. Think. Also, with Apollinaire, you know, he did, he really didn't know. I mean, yeah. he, he was like, when Apollinaire volunteered to turn in the statues, he was like, okay, he's going to turn the statues. He's not going to be in the yeah. What he was I'm saying kind of made sense. He's like, okay, this could this might work. Yeah, and yeah. then and then yeah. it didn't turn out that way. And I don't also, think it was didn't Apollinaire go in saying that he was going to keep Pablo out of it? Yes. So the fact that Pablo ended up in jail means that he went against his word to begin with. So yeah. technically, they're doing because he was. No, that's true. I forgot about that point. He yeah. got you know, rat on because him I feel like if Apollinaire is bringing Picasso into this situation exactly. and he's looking out for his own interest. Why should Picasso take the bullet for someone who isn't necessarily a genuine friend? Maybe he's the type of friend where they're fun friends and they're bar friends. He's a poet. They're both artists. I mean, you only do that for someone who is like... Well, the way I took it was it seemed like Apollinaire was kind of stepping up to be like, I will take this because I think Apollinaire recognized who Pablo Picasso will become in his artwork. And I think he was just like, you cannot, you know, have dirtier hands, so let me do this for you. And in turn, hopefully... Something will come back around. Yeah, but it's yeah, just but, the situation blew out of proportion. Selfless for someone and expect something. I don't think in he return. was expecting anything in return. I yeah. just think he stood stood up to the plate to be like, "This is you're bigger than I am." Let's also like mm. not lose sight of being beaten. 
Yeah, yeah. That, like, exactly. the police, the, that changes the whole thing as well. I think yeah. he, I think Apollinaire probably went in with the best intentions. He, he was yeah. like, I'm going to I'm going to clear this. We'll be done. And then the police were like, nope, here's a punch in the face and the gut. And <laughs> yeah. I'm going to beat you right. into into confession. You know, that like there's no way to do that without like I mean, he he put Pablo on the line because he had no choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it made him a bad friend or or anything. It's like if somebody's beating me or waterboarding me mm-hmm. and they're like, tell us who who you were working with. Yeah. And he's like, I wasn't working with anyone. And they like punch you again and they and they go in. You know, eventually you're going to break down. Break down mm-hmm. a little bit. It's under yeah. duress. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think we can, you know. I do love at the end of the episode, though, we got that little diatribe of, uh, you know, they were exonerated of their name mm. and yeah. the, a real thief was caught but was in prison for... Yeah, didn't even say too a long, sentence. a short sentence. Yeah. yeah, Pablo didn't do it. Mona Lisa wasn't yeah. that popular at the time, I guess either. I oh, it was. was. Oh, it was. I mean, yeah. why would you do all enough, of that but... against someone if it no, wasn't? No, it was. They were like, we will find you anywhere. Cool. Yeah. To find the, the to Mona Lisa. No, uh, well, I mean, I mean, they like she's, she like said, yeah, says that she's like she's like they're gonna they're gonna go anywhere to find you. It's it would be like you know stealing. Mona Lisa nowadays. Um, yeah, uh, so then I guess we wrap up 1911 with um, a little love interest with Ferdinand and this uh, new painter. Mm-hmm. I guess that's that. Opie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think this is kind of the uh, the outing of Ferdinand and the, the separation between her and Picasso. I mean, it's going to come back to bite her, but I mean, of course, she's, obviously, yeah. she's obviously lonely. What is she going to do? I mean, there was a very telling scene earlier where um, the painter that that she O-P. came O-P. to get... What, what's his name? O-P-P-I. O-P. Oh, okay, like O-P-M. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 so O-P came into the picture and um, made a reference to Picasso about how, you know, it's really hard to get to know him. And yeah, and she's she living with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's sipping a martini, she's like, yep. So <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was really interesting. It kind of showed how the dynamic had changed between Fernand and... Um, Picasso and you can tell that they're drifting apart because I mean if you're really successful don't forget the people who were there with you like, when you it. were when like when you needed a muse and you had no muse and you needed someone for inspiration was Fernand for was there now that mm-hmm. you have exactly what you want you're gonna throw her to the side yeah well and I think she, you know she's a free spirit as well like what what happened is they've got they've got a decade together so mm-hmm. they met when he was young yeah. And she was young, and she was finding her way, and he was finding his way, and I think that he really loved her. And then, as they grew and like flourished, they grew apart. Fernand was her own spirit. I mean, she slept with Opie and and had her own thing going on, and Pablo was sleeping with other people. But he's also a jealous dude, you know. So like, jealous. I guess mm. that's going to be coming out in the next episode too. Yeah. We even saw that with older Picasso in this episode oh God, as well. Yeah. Let's jump so. to 1946. We have older Picasso and Francois on a little vacation away from mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. 80 kilometers house. away from house with scorpions. Oh my God. What were your thoughts <laughs> on all this? Like it was just one bad thing after the next. Like he was like, let me whisk you away to this like beautiful like little vacation. And we're in Dora's house. There's scorpions. Like they're 80 kilometers away from the actual beach. You know, she's like stuck and can't paint. And all he wants to do is have fun. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Well, do it. 
Oh, no, I was just saying, I mean, like, he wants a companion there for whenever he's bored, but he's going to do his own thing and have fun, and when he gets bored, he'll want someone at his every women fancy. And I mm. think that's very selfish, I think. I mean, not all men, but a lot of <laughs> men are like that, where they kind of, like, either expect, like, the the woman to function as a therapist or a caretaker, but when the roles sure. are reversed, they can't be there for them in the same way, and they give very terse advice, or they... They, they can't be as emotionally available. And that's the part that I think is selfish. Like, yeah. you can't bring someone with you and expect them to just come with you and accompany you and, and then abandon them when you're at your, your fun bestial day event running around town. <laughs> Where you're yeah. blowing trumpets. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that Pablo was constantly seeking inspiration. And mm. with that comes the sacrifice of other people's expectations and, mm. and what they want from him and the relationships that they're envisioning. And he dealt a lot with younger people who are coming up in their own world, and he's this beacon, he's this successful artist for Francoise, you know, he's he's the example of what she wants to, I spit, example of what she wants to do. <laughs> but um, for Bastille Day, you know, he's like a, a child. I mean, he's a, he's a jealous... He person. runs he's off. Like, he's having fun with the horn. Oh, honey, this is just for men. Let me. You go off, do your own thing. Right. He's like, like. He's like. He wants her. He wants her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to give her everything. Well, he yeah. doesn't want to until she finally like gets up and like walks away. And yeah, and he's, he's like, like, "That's mine, though." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, as far as like to the point where he's like, "Let's have a baby. Let's make something together." That's what's missing in our life is like, "Let's make some art together." And the art is the baby, a baby. And yeah. It's just like he does that with with Olga too, mm-hmm. which we'll see later in the series. Like his Spoilers. first wife. No, I mean it's all history. Yeah, but like his first wife. He did that with right. Fernand as well with yeah. getting a child to adopt. And I mean, is that his solution for every problem? Let's just bring another human into the mix. Yeah. And that that sure. make everything yeah. The the adoption of his daughter with oh that was so with Fernand was oh like God. yikes yeah. <laughs> I mean it was like a lame is Rob scene yeah <laughs> to so return a child depressing. to an orphanage it was horrible I can't even imagine like uh, it's just, he wanted to give he loved his Fernand. intentions were in the right place in the, at he that loved point. her yeah he loved her desperately and he wanted to give her what she couldn't have which was a child so they went and they <laughs> got a child. And then the realization that this was a horrible place to raise a kid, Bato Lavoir, which would be like the slums of whatever city. Yeah. It's like, yikes. And then to give her back? Mm. I can't even Just imagine. Such a short time. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, guys, let's get into some, uh, we have some news. And then we also have our segment picture of the day, which uh, Alex kind of like inspired. And it was also featured Ooh. in, it? Yeah, 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 it was also featured <laughs> in tonight's episode. Um, we have, Tony, if you can bring it up, please. It's called House in the Garden. It was featured. Uh, uh, I do love this one. <laughs> yeah, it was featured in tonight's episode. It was part of the Cubism movement. And, uh, yeah, you had mentioned this was one of your favorite paintings. Yeah, and it I, really is. Please talk about it. What, what's, what inspires you about it? What I love about this painting, I'm looking at it on the, on the screen. Uh, what I love about <laughs> it is that it really kind of shows the transition from realism to cubism mm. because you see exactly what they're talking about. It's a house in a garden. Yeah. But at the same time, the perspective is moved forward and you, you get like cubes as, as they're, as they're brought up. So one, I think it's aesthetically beautiful mm. Two, I think it transfers well between the two styles. And if you notice, so what I love about cubism is that it, it, it kind of goes against time. Yeah. So the left side of the house 
has a different light source than the top of the house has a different light source than the the left part of the roof. Oh yeah, look at that. So you 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 cross a bunch of different time barriers, I love which that. I think is brilliant. I didn't even realize about that. Yeah, and it kind of features that on the right side too, on the bottom as well. Exactly. Wow. I think that's a brilliant part of cubism look at that. that it's time eye. traveling. <laughs> <laughs> How much did you study all of these pieces? Were there specific pieces that were featured that you had to like know an extensive amount about, or did you just on your own will as part of this be like? I really want to learn more about these pieces. Yeah, I think both. I mean, I was... So we had a two-week break uh, for the holidays in December. Mm-hmm. And right bef- right after that was when we were going to film the, the segments about cubism. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading a lot about cubism. And I was kind of looking around my house. Mm-hmm. And I, I started to kind of envision what cubism was doing. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that that's where Picasso's genius lies. Because to time travel in that way and to distort perspective and to represent reality in a way that's emotional but also transformative was incredible so i did a lot of research on that because i found that fascinating i also did a lot of research on specific paintings like like les domes d'avignon which was really credited as the start of cubism because he distorts people's faces and what was nice was that i got to meet the people as we went through hmm. so i got to meet fernand and i got to meet right yeah marie therese and mm-hmm. pop delavine and, and dora mar and sam collie and and uh, i got to meet the muses as i researched the art That's so amazing. seeing the the art and the people who are portraying the, the the subjects was really exciting yeah for me out of all the different periods like the blue period the cubism movement what's your favorite I, I think <laughs> it is tough um, because this series is called Genius and we're celebrating the intelligence and the foresight and the creativity of a person who broke all the molds. I think that cubism represents that. That said, what people don't realize about Picasso is his early work mm-hmm. where he had mastered realism. Yeah. Like he could do Renaissance art in a heartbeat, you know, with like science and charity, he's depicting the reality of a scene with such talent and such nuance. I think that that's incredible at 14 or mm-hmm. like yeah. to, to have that clarity of vision and that talent is underrepresented in, in the story of Picasso. But I think that the departure from what was known in cubism is, is the real genius. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. We have some special news also. A uh, nice little uh, nod to you. What, why don't you uh, take it over me? Yeah. Oh. That sound bite. So the Hollywood Reporter came out with the Feinberg forecast. And this is kind of the forecast that comes before the Emmy nominations, nominations which is actually coming up in two weeks. And Alex was actually mentioned as a major threat for his role in this lip- <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. series. I mean, yeah. how could he not? Look at the performance he's been putting on all season. It's been amazing. Yes. Well, that's lovely. So this is so thankful to have you. Best supporting actor in a limited series. Uh, or best, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I just, yeah. I'm still, like, adjusting oh, to the concept that people are even talking about. It. <laughs> it's my first lead in anything, so I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Me? Right. This guy? <laughs> I'm going to really hide at the table and, and hope for the best. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> we wish you all the best with it. We uh, thanks. Fingers crossed that you uh, you get nominated yes. and win. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. you give your when you give your acceptance speech, you need to do a talk about after the call. So, oh, please, yeah. yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's 
Spanish, Spanish accent. That'd be so cool. That would just be cool. flip it right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, right. People that don't know. Yeah. We're just, just like, what? They'll be like, that dude? Oh. That American okay. kid from Florida? <laughs> no, that's, that's incredible. Well, that's <laughs> great news. Um, let's get into predictions really, really fast. What we think is going to happen next week. And then we'll do our sign-off. And, uh, yeah. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Prediction. It's spooky when they do that. Nina, why don't you start off? Yeah, I can't say much because I've already seen this. You gotta stop oh. doing that! Come on! <laughs> she's like, I you can't wait! Yeah, no. She's like, I already saw it though. No, I, I, saw, I saw it the day that we, we did the yeah. press Oh, that's right, together. you did the press thing together. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, fine. Yeah, Alex, but... we're gonna have to skip you then, because you obviously... Know <laughs> no, I don't... I you have no I idea? Please... Yeah. Well, you've uh, shot it out of sequence, oh, right? Let's, oh, see, oh. Let's, see what we, let's see what you think. I've got one spoiler, Pablo dies. Pablo died. Oh, man. <laughs> Dang it! That was my prediction. Wow. At, At some point. <laughs> At some point, he dies. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, womp womp. Womp womp. There it is. <laughs> um, no. I'm no? just excited to... Like, how do you... This is my question for you two. How do you predict someone's life that's already existed on a show. Well, how is the show going to take it? How, okay, yeah, all exactly. right, okay, exactly. there you they go. going to go next? So, for the past two weeks, I've been saying Pablo's going to shave his head, he's going to shave his head, he's going to shave his head, <laughs> and he hasn't yet, but next week, I think he's he might shave his head. All right, there we go. On fire to go to Lice, or, or some, like, early some, 1900s BS. I don't know, yeah, it's like a movement <laughs> or something, he wants to change, but, um... He goes to a barber. You know, I'm kind of excited, we got to see some of the previews, <laughs> um, we're getting more into the lore <laughs> that's happening, um, yes. and, uh... In Antonio's timeline? In Antonio's timeline, yeah. yeah. And I think there's another war yeah. that was mentioned. One and two. One and two, which is going to be really exciting. I'm a huge nerd for those kind of things. So Yeah. Um, well, that is our time, guys. It's been such a pleasure. My name is Zach Silverman. You can find me all across social media at Zach with a C-H Silverman 2. Guys, why don't you go down the line and uh, tell everyone where you can find them. Hey, everyone. I'm Mina. You can find me on Instagram at Mina Makes Magic. Oh, hey. I'm... Uh... Alex and, and my handles are at Alex Jordan Rich. And thanks for letting me join you guys. My name's Candace Cruz. You can find me at Candace R. Cruz. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on, Alex. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. It was great watching with you. And uh, guys, until next time, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. AfterBuzz TV. 